Wilson, say hi. <coughs> Good boy. Wilson, say hi. <coughs> Good boy. Wilson, say hi. <coughs> Good boy. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. It is episode number 29 with Emma Givens of Intrepid Emma. And we're talking about finding your brand voice, creating a brand voice that's consistent with your mission, your vision, your goals, and what she helps me do as a brand copywriter. Enjoy the episode and don't forget to connect with Emma at Intrepid Emma. Enjoy the show. Kiss my aesthetic. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build bragworthy brands for social media-minded entrepreneurs, and you are in the right spot for branding, marketing, entrepreneurship advice that you can apply in your own business to better reach your ideal client online. Let's get to today's episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Today I have Emma Gibbons of Intrepid Emma. She's a copywriter I've been working with for the last few months now, which has been wonderful. And she has absolutely helped me get more specific on my brand voice and roll out things that have been on the bottom of my to-do list for a while, like an email (laughs) newsletter and an opt-in and opt-in pages and kind of tying up everything that I've got to offer and nice, beautiful words, which is something that as a visuals person isn't really where my brain goes to. And that's why Emma is here and we're talking to her today. So Emma, thank you so much. I'm so excited. We had a great conversation already on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Michelle. It's always great to talk about. We both love these topics so much, so it's great to dive deeper together. (laughs) Absolutely. So for anyone who doesn't know you yet, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, who you help, and how you got started? Definitely. So I am intrepid Emma in the online world, although my real name is Emma Gibbons, and I am a copywriter, content marketing strategist, and writing coach for entrepreneurs, a lot of creative entrepreneurs, so that includes designers, jewelry makers, photographers, so I absolutely love what I do. I started honestly writing from the time I was eight, but was writing little novels and kind of honed my craft through practice and ended up doing marketing by getting a job in the marketing department at a company I had just worked for throughout university. Um, Honestly, it was kind of the first thing that I applied for. Like it was just the most sensible option. And what happened through that is I got exposed to the world of marketing and content marketing in particular, because I kind of hinted that I love writing and I'd love to learn from them, like kind of a mentorship style, how to get into content marketing in particular. And then I kind of ran with it. <laughs> I wasn't actually supposed to be on that team. And then I ended up doing probably about three additional jobs to my main job and became an expert in like e-learning too. I love online stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. And then I realized I actually have learned everything I can here and started to branch out that way. And eventually, after really learning how to do copywriting and content marketing and working a lot for me with mentors, they've been a huge part of my journey. I now own my own business and help other people either do the writing themselves with my support and my guidance and my second set of eyes, or I do the writing for them because they just may not have the time or the interest. And that is okay too. Absolutely. I think that writing is such a tricky thing and we're all talking about copyright W-R-I-T-E and not copyright R-I-G-H-T because that's the first thing that I think small business owners or people who might be listening to podcasts, um, it's a common mis- 
misconception or confusion for people. So what is the difference, first of all, between copyright and copyright? Yeah, so they're very, very different. <laughs> copyright, R-I-G-H-T, would be a, more of a legal matter, making sure that you have ownership of something. It could be something you've written, but it's all about who owns that piece. And copywriting is the skill of writing messages that sell. So actually totally different worlds. One is legal and one is marketing, but they do sound the same. So it makes sense that people, when first introduced them, might get a little bit confused. Absolutely. And a copywriter, the role of someone who does copywriting for a living, they can take a lot of different shapes and forms, just like designer, right? Like a designer can be a lot of things. You can be an interior designer, you can be a graphic designer, you can be a landscape designer, you could be all these different things. So for you, copywriter, you said you specialize definitely in brand copy, brand voice, sales pages, content marketing. What other kind of copywriters are out there and what kind of are the possibilities of working with a copywriter? That's a great question. I would say I'm kind of unique in the world in that I blend copywriting and content marketing. They're actually distinct things and I can definitely explain that. But in terms of what a copywriter could be, a lot of the time they're niched. So a copywriter might specifically focus on sales page copy and another one might focus on email copy. And they're all with the same goal of selling. That's really what defines copywriting is it's with the goal of selling something, but they may write in specific areas. So it could be like general web page copy, could be just high-performing sales pages, could be just emails. And content writing, on the other hand, is a different goal. It's not about selling, at least not in the moment. It's just about building community and relationships, building trust pouring value into your ideal audience before then extracting that value again in the form of well, money, maybe their email address, you know, their time, all that kind of stuff. And that's where copywriting comes in. So essentially, they're very interconnected where copy sells, but content writing is kind of the first thing most people see. And it's what makes them trust you enough to then buy the thing that you sell them in copywriting. So usually they're totally distinct. Content marketing includes things like blog posts, social media, um, content driven newsletters. So it's not like emailing your list saying, hey, buy this thing. It's just saying, hey, I was on this podcast. It talks about this. You can learn it that way. And it's just value, value, value first. And it's all about nurturing the audience. And for me, I find that it's really powerful to combine the two things because I get to know my clients extremely well, whether I'm coaching them or writing for them. So they have a consistent brand voice throughout both things. So that way they get to know you in content marketing and then it's the same you who shows up in the copywriting. So they trust who they're buying from. I think that's really powerful and kind of rare in the sense that I love having deep, deep relationships with my ideal clients and a lot of other, especially copywriters out there, love the kind of the challenge of creating a fantastic sales page for a new person. So it kind of depends on whose style you want to work with. Um, but I personally love mine and I, I like that it's kind of unique in the world because it shows, uh, I don't know, it's just relationship driven. So they are different though. Usually they're separate. You touched on something that I want to jump back to another copywriting glossary term brand voice. Yeah. This is something I go over with, with my clients and I can tell you far and away, the clients that really have their brand voice locked and loaded tend to like their end product of design much better. There's less edits. There's less 
confusion. There's less work really in someone who's super, super clear on their brand voice from like day one. And I even ask in my contact form, which I've talked about on the podcast, like, what is your brand mission? What's your vision? And who's your ideal client? Because these, these pieces of information tell me a lot about the foundation of a business. So can you talk about brand voice and some of those foundational statements that really set up a business for success from a copywriting standpoint? Absolutely. So I agree that having a strong brand voice is a foundation. It is through everything that you do, whether it's in writing or it's the way that you speak. And the reason that they're so inherently tied is that for most people, especially if you're starting as a solopreneur or you are the founder of the company, it's going, the voice of the brand is going to reflect your voice in a lot of ways. So it's really, really important that they are congruent. And the only way for you to feel like you're, especially if you're a creative person, if you're a really passionate person, the way you're going to feel like you're connecting with people and making a difference through your product or your service is to feel like you're being authentic. That word comes up all the time with my Mm -hmm. ideal clients. So you want to show up as you in a lot of ways. Now there are some caveats to that, but primarily what you want to start with is getting to know your conversational voice. And I recommend, it's not as essential, but it's helpful to get to know your brand archetype. Um, So in terms of your conversational voice, the best thing to do is to record a conversation that you have, ideally with someone who is pretty much your ideal client. They don't need to actually be a paying client, but maybe you have a friend who in an, you know, in another life would be the person who's your first client. Maybe they end up being, you never know, but someone who represents that ideal client to you, because you'll discover in that conversation, how you naturally speak to each other. So what kind of phrases do you use in your own speech? That's helpful, whether you're taking notes on this or your future copywriters taking notes, they want to hear how you actually talk and things that define your voice. That way, when you're on video, you sound the same as you do in a blog post. Another thing you want to pay attention to is that the language that you're using with that ideal client is really, really consistent. So with a certain ideal client, you might use words that are, for example, very spiritual words. Maybe that is your common language and that really resonates with your ideal client. Maybe other people, especially, for example, if you're like in the field of law and you're serving lawyers, feel free to use industry jargon. (laughs) For other people, it's just going to come across Mm -hmm. as jargon. But for that audience, that is their everyday language and that's something they're comfortable with and it's kind of a shortcut. So you want to pay attention to pieces like that too because that's going to form a lot of both the kind of tone of your voice, especially in the phrases you use, but also gives you some actual keywords to work with, ways that you know you're going to resonate with your ideal clients. And then the other part of that, the brand archetype, is not as essential, but I find it really enlightening. People really enjoy reflecting on their personality and also it gives you sort of this third person view, like the sort of external view of who you are as a person, how you communicate with the world. And knowing what your archetype is really helps you figure out both the words that you use. And it can also be useful in terms of like your visual brand too. So I would do a little bit of maybe Googling just to see, is this something you're curious about? Do you find it helpful? If you're really into psychology, you'd probably find it helpful. If you're really into spirituality, you'd probably find it helpful. But honestly, everybody uses it, like Coca-Cola uses it. So don't feel afraid. Um, It can be very enlightening. So I would consider starting with those two things before you do anything else. Yeah, I think a good example of this is I had a client um, 
gosh, two or three years ago now, where this is part of my process as well, right? So I explain on my discovery calls that in my brand design process, we really spend the first third in research. I need to make sure I understand your business so that I can deliver a design product that's going to fit what you're after. And I need to make sure that we're speaking the same language because there are those crossed wires, even if we're both speaking English, between what someone describes as what they want, which is what they actually mean by that. Mm. And a perfect example is I was working for an interior designer and she really was describing her aesthetic as quirky and eclectic, quirky, eclectic, quirky. Eclectic. I'm just quirky. I'm quirky. My design aesthetic is quirky. And so for me, quirky means like layered and intricate and kind of out of the box and a little bit weird and a little bit eccentric. And she, <laughs> I sent her the first mood board and she's like, this is not what I want at all. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's interesting because this is how I would describe those styles. Like we're both speaking English, we're both <laughs> speaking about design, but her idea of quirky was not the actual subject matter, but the combination of patterns she found to be quirky. So she's like, I want to use, but really her whole aesthetic was traditional. Okay. Like everything that she was showing me was like very old school plantation style moldings and chairs, but like maybe the chair is upholstered with like a fun color and all of a sudden that's quirky. And I was like, all right, I'm glad that we did this exercise because we had a whole hour long discovery call with the brand questionnaire and I were going over it and I'm seeing one picture in my head and she's seeing a totally different picture in hers and we're using the same words to describe two totally different things. So baking that discovery process into my design process is really, really important. And that's why I always start with like the first uh, design product I turn over is a mood board because yeah. I need to make sure that what you're describing to me is also what I see as the vision for your brand based on what we've talked about. So how do you, when you're working with the client, how do you measure if you are in your, for example, your service, which is done for you copy, how do you make sure that you're measuring up to their expectation of brand voice? I know this is maybe a bit of a technical question. Hey, that's okay. I have a similar process because I've been through that as well. Even though you're very visual and I'm the written word, it's also come up because we're kind of, for a moment, we're stepping into their shoes. We're kind of inhabiting their persona and that's a, a challenging thing. So what I do in my process is I do something similar. Like we have a discovery call where we go in depth. I actually fill in, I ask them a lot of questions about their ideal client. But also what I have found really, really helpful is to then turn that into a brand voice document. So in that document, they get a summary of the ideal client that they describe. And then I also experiment with how do I think that ideal client actually speaks? Does this match what you actually hear out of their mouths or is it, are we off track somewhere? Um, what do they say they desire? Who are they? Like how, who are they in their families? How do they show up in the world? So that's a piece of it. I also try and sort of step into that person's shoes as well. So I'll put together, these are words I think you use. These are words I've seen you use in like your social media, even if that's mm -hmm. all they've done. I try and gather all that information. There's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in this brand voice document, but it's really similar to your mood board, which is handed to them before you've actually done the thing and say, am I on the right track? Mm -hmm. Where do we need to tweak? Mm -hmm. And another lesson I've learned through having that same experience that you have had is to ask for examples. Um, I think that applies to visual stuff as well, but as a copywriter, I like to know what social posts did they write that got a lot of traction and that they loved? Like, what, what did they feel really expressed themselves? What is the opposite? What was the social post where they felt it was completely off brand for them? What didn't feel right? Do they have someone who they love opening every newsletter from who sounds similar to them? And I think mm -hmm. that that's a big helpful piece too, to know 
So instead of just saying quirky and then trying to come up with the brand voice document around that or the mood board around that, but say, okay, quirky, this is one of those abstract words. Please give me an example <laughs> of where you are quirky in your business. And maybe they can say, hey, this chair is super quirky with the pattern of the bold color. Um, right. Or they can say, hey, this social post I was showing behind the scenes and I had like this funny look on my face and I told them something super embarrassing. That would give me something really concrete. So that is honestly a recent right. lesson to ask for examples as early on as possible. <laughs> but it makes a huge difference because you're totally right. Having a, a verbal conversation and then trying to get into somebody's head out of maybe that's an hour and a half you know, is, is a challenge a lot of the time. So it's a work in progress and just setting client expectations to know, like, this is, I want your feedback. We want to make sure that this represents you and it feels good to you. So this is, you know, a working document or a working mood board or whatever it is. And just making sure that they're super honest with you about whatever it is they're thinking. The Kiss My Aesthetic podcast runs on coffee. This is our lifeblood and our jet fuel to keep on creating Amazing content for you guys on branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship. And if you feel so inclined, you can take a quick break from this episode. Head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash mkwcreativeco and throw a few dollars our way, kind of like a virtual tip jar, so we can keep creating these awesome podcasts for you and for this incredible community. Now back to today's episode. I think that's a really good point. And I think that it's something that, again, gets really overlooked. And until you're really in the trenches of answering one of these long form brand questionnaires, it's sometimes hard to know who you're supposed to talk to, how you're supposed to talk to them, what resonates with them, especially if you're a newbie business owner, you don't have a ton of experience. Um, But there are maybe some pet peeves we can warn people (laughs) against of bad habits with copy. And I think for me, um, I can tell if someone's somewhat new in their business if they uh, visually right off the bat, if they're not showing themselves or their face on their feed, that's usually a big, a big, uh, red flag for me. And also if their copy is coming off as passive, if you're not telling me exactly what you want the action to be in your post, I know we're getting into like social media territory now, but can same thing can be for website. If I come to your website and I can't figure out what the heck you actually (laughs) offer or who it's for, you lost me. Like you lost me. So do you have any, like, um, beware somebody did ask what you thought of the Oxford comma um (laughs) what are your what are your kind of your absolute glaring red sign this person needs copywriting help okay agree with you 100% if I'm confused when I'm looking at their website or their social then something has gone off track something fundamental so you need to be super direct speak directly to your ideal client So you can tell like the pet peeve and the way that um, you can tell for yourself is look at a piece of writing you've done, maybe a sales page or homepage. How many times do you use the word I? If you use the word I an awful lot, that's a good sign. You're not centering the clients. You're not conveying to them how you help them, right? Especially if it's the homepage or maybe the first time they're on your social media, they don't know you. (laughs) They honestly, unfortunately, they don't care about you yet. So they want to know what's in it for them. So you've got to speak directly to them. Um, In terms of some other pet peeves and the question about the Oxford comma, I like the Oxford comma, but the most important thing, and this varies a little bit depending on the country, but in North America, so Canada and the U.S., I mean, Mexico also is North America, but speaking of English speaking North America, the most important rule is to just be consistent. So if you don't like the Oxford comma, never use it. If you do like it, use it. 
I err on the side of using it because sometimes you can have communication problems when it's missing. So sometimes people can misinterpret things. They might not understand that you're still listing things off and you might be, they might think you're joining things mm-hmm. together. So I think err on the side of caution. I do know that in the UK, it's more optional. Um, so for them, they usually don't use it unless there would be a communication error, in which case they would throw it in. So I like it. I think it's just easier to use it all the time. That's my personal answer to that. Um, In terms of some other pet peeves, it would be things like not using contractions that might seem really small, Mm. but it really throws people off. Most of the time, it throws people off when they see a formal website. So saying, I will go to all ends of the earth to support you, for example. It's so much more natural to say, I'll help you right? <laughs> Say I'll instead of right. I will. And I, right. I'm instead of I am. But a lot of people, especially if you went to university, are stuck with the separated words. And that's so Formal unnatural. Writing. Yeah, exactly. It's so unnatural in conversation. And good copy is basically like conversation on a page. It's a little different with content, but if you're just trying to sell something, you want to be as easy to understand as possible. There's kind of a saying in the world of copywriting that you should be writing more or less for like a fifth or sixth grader, not in terms of maybe the depth of the content, but the way you speak should be so easy to understand. It should be extremely basic in terms of copy. Again, content can be a little bit more flowery depending, but you want it to be Mm -hmm. super straight to the point and conversational. So using contractions is an easy way to immediately like shortcut that closeness because you talk to a friend like you'd talk to a friend. You wouldn't say, yeah, hi, yeah. Michelle, I would like to speak with you about this important topic. <laughs> so yes. Easy. And this is also something I noticed women do more mm-hmm. than men. I will sit and write an email, for example, and sometimes like my dad and I will co-work next to each other and he'll be looking over my shoulder and said, why are you adding so many words? Like yeah. just get to the point. Instead of saying, if you're interested, I would love to book a call with you. Maybe this calendar would work for you. It says, let's get on a call. Yeah and drop the calendar link, like being direct, I think comes off. And I'm really interested from the psychology standpoint of sales and sales confidence and all of these things of there are those opportunities where you want to have those strong I statements as kind of a power Mm -hmm. move, but then you want to find ways to be able to switch it. So same thing when I'm on a discovery call with a client and they make a really good point and say, I want to absolutely recognize that and say, you make a really good point here. And I want to go back to what you said here and your ideas. And even when I'm presenting their concepts, I want to use the words that they described wanting in the presentation to really bring it full circle, right? It has nothing to do with me. I'm just the vehicle from which I'm delivering the product. It's their business and kind of coming at it from that angle gives them pride in it. And it also gives them, I think the words and like the gumption and the confidence to be able to describe what it is they just invested in. So having that kind of rapport with your client, whether you're in a service-based business or a product-based business, I think can vary. But we're having so much fun with the copy for Hotel Lobby Candle (laughs) because we're approaching it as if from the total opposite where there is no person, but it's as if there's this imaginary hotel concierge. So when I'm responding in the DMs, I said, hey, if you get a minute, we'd love if you could write us a review, XO, the Hotel Lobby candle concierge like we're signing it as if it's from the hotel which is so funny because it's like an absolute hypothetical hotel so there's all this fun copy opportunity so what are some of your favorite copywriting projects you've worked on or just fun expressive creative copywriting tactics hacks brands anything like that interesting question or podcast book Yeah. So I would say in terms of some of my favorite copywriting projects, I recently did one for a brand designer as well, but she focuses more and more on 
wrapping paper, custom wrapping paper, um, so even like branded wrapping paper for different companies. And I put together some different content. So like an email sequence, a sales page. And it was amazing to kind of explore her unique ideal client because there's so many directions you can take wrapping paper in, right? At some point, everybody's gonna wrap something. <laughs> Usually people give gifts, but because of her unique passion um, for, basically the world that she's been in, which is a lot of veterans and educators, we're able to really tailor a lot of that to, you know, a veteran who, or, or actually an active service member who might be overseas, apparently, and I didn't know this, but she has this inside look. Um, a lot of the time they'll send a gift home and it's just, it just comes in a brown box and it's really impersonal. And then the gift of course is really meaningful, but it's a transformative experience for that kid to see wrapping paper that has their name on it like she actually designed something recently that's for a kid named peter and who loves rabbits so it's a peter rabbit design it says peter nice. and it's so unique and immediately recognizable so we're talking about like turning a gift into an entire experience so i really got to know her and her ideal client and able to create words that resonate with those people and mean so much more it's not just like the slab of wrapping paper, it's an experience when you see like, what does that actually mean for people? So that's a really fun recent project that I got to work on because um, sometimes I find a lot of the time, interestingly with product-based businesses, it just seems like, here's the thing, it does, this is it. Yeah, transaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's not, there's so much, there's so much that goes into it before they even buy. So that's a huge part of it. Um, what was the other part of that question? <laughs> Can you repeat? <laughs> so when you're working with a brand, and they are considering investing in copywriting, trying to figure out where the heck do you put all of this stuff, like brand voice, mission, ideal client information. We touched a little bit about like newsletters, nurture series, things like that. But what is really the overarching reach of working with a great copywriter? So a great copywriter really sets the foundation for every conversation you have with a potential client, um, including whether they're like totally cold leads all the way up to when you're actually actively working with them. So you'll want to set that strong brand voice and those kind of core phrases in place through your website, through your social, through any other medium, including like doing media interviews, you're going to want to sound really, really consistent. And that means knowing how you speak, knowing what your ideal client wants to hear, and then having sort of go-to phrases and stories. So brand storytelling is a big part. So for example, knowing what your origin story is, how does that relate to your client? Did they have the same journey as you? Like, are you your, <laughs> your ideal client, but five years ago? Right? So that's an important piece. If not, why are you so passionate about helping them? So having origin stories and other core stories that you can use through sales emails sometimes, like tell them, if, they're, if you're asking them to invest in a mastermind with you, for example, what about the time you made the decision to join a mastermind? How did that transform your life? And what were your doubts at the time? And then be able to turn that into a story. And that's a sales email. But it could also be, this was my experience in a blog post, or it could be, I go on Instagram and go live for a while because I like to show up once a week and I'll share that story with them this week. So you have core stories is a really big part of it. And kind of the phrase for that is brand storytelling. And then also having kind of go-to phrases. So you want a strong tagline. You want to have services or products that have meaningful names that are super clear like what is it that they're actually getting with it what is the offer but also how does it reflect your personality so this is where archetypes can come back in because we talked about that in setting your brand voice but if you're the magician archetype so you transform people a lot of coaches are magicians you take people on a journey of internal transformation you might literally use words like magic 
or transform <laughs> or other variations. You can think of all the synonyms in the world for that, or you're going to tell a lot of stories about transformation. So this can come across in everything that you do, right? Whether it's on the sales page itself or in an interview that you do with someone, you have these core stories that you go back to, you have these core phrases you use, and that is not repetitive because most people are not going to see every single thing you do, including like if it's you, you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram, you're on your blog, etc. They're probably not following you everywhere or the algorithm of that platform isn't going to show them every single thing that you do. So that's okay. But also it builds consistency and consistency builds trust and trust is why someone's going to buy from you. So it's actually really important to kind of be repetitive if you think of it that way, because then not only do you have their trust, but you're top of mind when they're ready to buy that thing. So they know, hey, Michelle is the, the gal who always talks about branding. I know that she has transformed, you know, Hotel Lobby Candle, for example. She works with candle brands. I'm starting my own candle company. I know exactly who to go to because she's been so open mm -hmm. about it. I know exactly that you're working on that project. I've seen the behind the scenes. You've talked, like, you're so open about it. And that means I have no doubt she's my person. She, you're top of mind for them, right? So consistency or repetition, you can think of it that way, is important through everything, whether it's the words that you use, the ideal client you're speaking to, make sure they're basically the same one every time, or the stories that you tell. It really is an important foundation. A good copywriter extracts all of that from you. That's why I think it's kind of unique what I do as well, copywriting and content marketing, because a lot of content marketing is very story-driven. And... That's something that we totally extract. We spend a lot of time figuring out brand voice stories, core stories, um, and then we use them in every single aspect of the business. So it's really, really powerful. And it, I do think it's the foundation a lot of the time for any branding. It can be useful in visual branding too, to have these reference points that you go back to or key phrases that you can use. Totally. It makes my job much easier when a client has all this work already done with Poppy and they're super crystal clear on like who they are and who they're talking to. It makes a huge difference. So if anyone wants to work with you because they've heard everything you had to say and they're like, oh my gosh, I need this. How can they find you, work with you? What offers do you have going on? Yeah, that's Hit a great us. question. So you can find me on Instagram at IntrepidEmma or at my website, IntrepidEmma.com. And I think that especially if what we talked about today resonated with you, the best possible way to work together is a VIP strategy day. So this is something that is launching January 2021. And I'm doing open, totally no obligation discovery calls now because I really want this to be a service to you. So if you're, especially if you're starting from scratch, you don't have your brand voice clear, you don't have your brand origin stories, you don't know your archetype, plus you probably have a launch coming. This is exactly what you need. So in one day we knock out your core brand messaging. We create a guide that you can take through your entire business lifetime that really encapsulates your brand voice. And then we also create a content and copy plan. So we work back from the end of Q1 when you're launching something all the way back. So you know exactly what you need to do along the way. And there's no doubts whatsoever. And content marketing includes blogging, could be video scripts, social media. It's super comprehensive. So whether you're just ready to launch something or you're starting your business from scratch and you don't have that brand voice yet, this is the right way to work together. So you can learn about that at my website or Book in a call right now just to chat with me, figure out if it's the right thing for you at bit.ly slash Emma VIP. And I would love to talk to you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Emma. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Don't forget to join the Facebook group. Everybody, Emma is in there as yeah. well. It's Kiss My Aesthetic. Same name as the podcast. So that makes it easy. And we will catch you all next time. Thanks, Michelle. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. For show notes on what we've discussed today, links to anything that might be relevant, go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all the happy stuff wherever you listen to podcasts. And come join us in the Facebook group, Kiss My Aesthetic. We would love to see you there. Have a great day.